Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue with the Bible Crossfire radio program. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time. We hope you understand that uh, the Bible is going to decide everything in this program, not what we feel, not what we think is best, not necessarily what's politically correct or is going to please the most people, numbers, but the Bible is decides for us doctrine. Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse sixteen seventeen says all scriptures give my inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So when we're talking about what is the right doctrine, what are we going to believe, teach, and practice about gay marriage, women preachers, baptism, whatever it is, the scriptures are supposed to decide for us what the doctrine that we're supposed to teach is 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. And 2 John, verse 9 says, Whoever soever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He can't be saved. We have to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ. Now, something comes up a lot of times when, when uh, in, in, in talking about the doctrine of salvation, and that is the relationship between faith and works. I think it's a good example of how to look at two passages that may seem to contradict on the surface. You find out how both can be true. We know two passages seem to contradict. They don't really contradict because the Bible is written by God. It's, the Bible is inerrant without error. So if two passages seem to contradict then we have to look for a way where both can be true. And this is a classic example in this relationship between faith and works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 reads this way. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But now James 2, 24 reads this way. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. So one passage says you're saved by grace through faith, not of works. Another passage says you're justified by works and not by faith only. On the surface, it may seem like a contradiction. As a matter of fact, the most important man in the Reformation movement, Martin Luther, definitely thought there was a contradiction there for a number of years in his life, so much so that he called the book of James an epistle of straw. He couldn't call Ephesians epistle of straw because he'd have to throw out the whole half half of the whole New Testament because Paul wrote practically half the books in the New Testament. So instead he chose to say James, the book of James must not be inspired. And he did that because he couldn't see how these two verses could both be right. Martin Luther couldn't see how. But let's talk about how they both can be right. One passage, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. Another says you're justified by works and not by faith only. Two Consider how we might reconcile those two passages. How can both of them, both of the verses be right? I want you to consider Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. And that verse reads, I'm reading out of the ESV, And being made perfect, he, talking about Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. He became the source of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Now, who's the source of eternal salvation? Who's the one that provides it? Jesus Christ. But who is it going to be provided to, according to Hebrews 5, 9? Those that obey him. Which would mean that if we don't obey him, we won't receive the eternal salvation provided for by the source, Jesus Christ. Now, 
the two passages we're trying to reconcile, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 and James 2, 24, can both be right from this standpoint. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, if you look at Hebrews 5, 9, is talking about what the source of our salvation is. It's not our works. Our works don't earn our salvation. We don't save ourselves with our works. No. The source of our salvation is Jesus Christ. He provides salvation through His death, through His blood. James 2.24, when it says we're saved by works and not by faith only, it's talking about the fact that that source of eternal salvation, Jesus Christ, provides that salvation to those that obey Him. You see, James 2.24 is not talking about who the source is. It's just talking about the fact that we have to obey Him to receive salvation from that source. So Ephesians 2.8.9 and James 2.24 don't contradict. Ephesians 2.8.9, when it says salvation is not of works, it's talking about who actually provides the salvation? Who's the source? It's not our works. We don't earn our salvation with our works. It's paid for by the death of Christ. James 2.24 is saying, though that's true, we do have to obey Christ to be saved by Christ. Christ is the one that provides our salvation, but he only provides it to those who obey him. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. That's how Ephesians 2.8.9 and James 2.24 do not contradict. They're both true. Ephesians 2.8.9 is talking about the basis for our salvation. What earns it? The death of Christ. James 2.24 is just talking about the fact that our salvation is conditional. It's conditional upon our belief, of course, John 3.16. But even our belief doesn't earn our salvation. It's not the source. Belief and obedience, trust and obedience are just conditions that we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. Our faith and our obedience don't save us. The death of Christ does, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But faith and obedience are necessary conditions we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ, James 2, 24. Our lines are wide open if you have a Bible question or comment. Give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Now, to illustrate the point I've been making, I want us to consider an Old Testament story, the walls of Jericho and how they fell. I want to sh show you that the walls of Jericho fell by grace through faith, not of works, just like Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says about our salvation. Yet, the walls fell conditionally. The Israelites had to walk. And that's what James 2, 24 is talking about relating to salvation. First, the walls of Jericho fell by grace. We see this from Joshua 6, verse 2. That verse reads, and the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho. Second, the walls fell through faith. Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Third, the walls of Jericho fell not of works. Joshua 24.13 helps us to see that when it reads, And I have given you a land for which you did not labor. The Israelites didn't work to knock those walls down. For them to have knocked the walls down themselves, they would have had to use sledgehammers and battering rams. They didn't do it themselves. God knocked the walls down. That's what we mean when we say the walls of Jericho fell down by grace through faith, not of works. They didn't knock them down. But did they have to walk? Well, if you read Joshua 6, verses 1 through 5, they had to walk around that city once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day, blow the horns, blow the trumpets, and shout. And so 
we see from the illustration from Joshua 6 and these other passages that the walls of Jericho fell by grace through faith, not of works, but that does not mean conditions did not have to be met. met meet. <laughs> Can't say that right, can I? So when you go back to our salvation, our salvation is by grace through faith, not of works, but that doesn't mean salvation. That doesn't mean conditions like water baptism do not have to be met. It just means that we don't save ourselves. These are just conditions. Christ saves us through his death. Trust and obedience like water baptism, those are just things that we have to, conditions we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. Jeff from Pennsylvania, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, I was just thinking, Pat, uh, about this idea of salvation being unconditional or conditional when you went right to that point. W- wouldn't it seem like if salvation is unconditional and if Jesus died for everybody, wouldn't that mean then everybody's going to be saved automatically? Jeff, it would have to mean that because that would mean if it's unconditional, what what we think John three sixteen means that a person has to believe in order to avoid perishing but have everlasting life. That verse wouldn't even be true. You wouldn't even have to believe. And so, since Jesus died for everybody, even the atheist, the unbeliever, would be saved. Got any other thoughts you want to, Jeff? Well, just so then, if we if we realize there there are conditions, then then why don't we just let God specify the conditions rather than trying to theologize our own ideas as to what the conditions are. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think the Calvinist, Jeff, you correct me if I'm wrong, the Calvinist many times is more loyal to his system than what the Bible actually says. So he's going to reject plain passages like John 3.16. Or Jeff, the answer to the Calvinist, as you know, the answer to your dilemma on everybody's going to be saved if it's unconditional is the Calvinist believes Jesus only died for the elect. And that's why only some are going to be saved, but they reject plain passages like Hebrews 2 verse 9, Jesus tasted death for every man. They have to reject the plain meaning of those passages because I think they're more loyal to their system of theology than they are to the actual verses. Jeff, go ahead. I think you're right. I appreciate the point. Thanks Thanks much. Thanks for your call, Jeff. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Phil from Kentucky, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, I'm following you with what you're talking about, those two different scriptures sounding like they're a contradiction, but they're really not. And it popped in my head, one of the scriptures says, faith without works is dead. So does that fit into what you were discussing and talking about? Certainly does. Uh, Faith without works is dead is is, is in, basically in James 2, verses 14 through 24 through 26, that section, three or four times. And I quoted James 2.24. You see then how that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. But faith without works is dead is like in verse 26, uh, verse 19, I believe. That whole section is, is introduced by this question, and I'm turning to James 2. And Phil, that's right. a good point. I'm turning to James 2, verse 14. It says, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can that faith save him? So the whole section there, James two fourteen through 26, is given to answer the question, if you have faith but you don't have works, can you be saved? And the answer is no. He says, faith without works is dead, verse 17. 
Uh, verse 20, faith without works is dead. Verse 26, faith without works is dead. Verse 24, you're saved by works and not by faith only. So four times in there, he answers this question, can you be saved by faith without works? He answers it four times, absolutely not. It, so, it absolutely, that... Phil, enters into this answer to the question that we are, works do have a part to play in our salvation, not it's not that they earn our salvation. Let's think of our illustration field, the walls of Jericho. Did the walking right. around those walls, did that knock the walls down, just walking around the walls? No, their faith that God would 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 help them is what knocked down those walls. It was God in their faith, not walking. Right. Well, actually, wouldn't it really be, it was God that knocked down the walls. And the faith and the walking were just things that God specified they had to have in order for him to knock down the walls, right? Oh, so the, yeah, their works was the walking. Their faith was in God, and God knocked down the walls. Yeah. So so the walking okay. didn't knock down the walls. That's just a condition they had to meet. To knock down the walls themselves, as I said earlier, they would have had to use battering rams and sledgehammers. You see what I mean? Uh -huh. Yeah. So I they did. didn't knock it down themselves. God did it. Now that's what we're talking about. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 the verses that relate to salvation, it's just saying that God knocks down the walls. He's the one that saves us, not our works. James 2.24 is just saying, as it relates to our salvation, but we do have to walk around the walls. We have to meet the conditions. And Jeff is so right. If there were no conditions that we had to meet, faith or obedience, then everybody would be saved because, as I quoted Ephesians, uh, Hebrews 2.9, Jesus died for everybody. If salvation's unconditional, and that's the point Jeff was making, every single person... Even the atheist would be saved because he doesn't have to meet the condition of believing in Christ. That you got any follow-up, Phil? Well, I just wanted to say that means if we have faith and we accept Christ, that we are saved, but we need to go out and do the work of Christ in order to have our salvation, not just to have a ticket into heaven. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you know, that brings up an interesting question. Are we saved at the point of faith or are we saved when we obey, and I'm talking about in particular, when we're baptized, after we have faith? And a good illustration, Phil, would be Saul of yeah. Tarsus. Now, don't be confused by the name. He later became known as Paul, wrote practically half the books in the New Testament. Now, he's a very right. zealous Jew, persecuting Christians. You probably remember that, right, Phil? I do, I do. He's, he's unlike most of the Pharisees that Jesus confronts in like Matthew 23. Saul is evidently conscientious. He's not a hypocrite. He's very zealous. So Jesus miraculously appears to him on the road to Damascus in Acts 9. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I think I'm quoting from about verse 5. Saul says, Who art thou, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Saul says, Well, what will you have me to do? Will you go into the city and be told you what to do? And then he's in the city for three days and he's fasting, evidently uh, repenting. He has repented. He's praying, according to Acts 9, verse 9 and 11. He's already believed in Christ. And if you'd you think that if a person is saved at the point of faith, meaning by faith alone, without obedience, you would think you'd be saved at that point because he definitely believed in Christ. He's, he's, he's doing exactly what Christ has told him to do. He believes in Christ. He goes in the city. So in the meantime... Jesus sends Ananias to tell him what to do. And then here's what Ananias tells him in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. He says, 
And now why tarryest thou? Now in Alabama we wouldn't say it that say it that way. We would say, What you waiting on? <laughs> Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You see, Saul had already believed in Christ at least three days before this. And now he's being told to do something to get his sins washed away. Obviously his sins weren't washed away when he believed, right? Right, Phil? Right. right. So so when were his sins washed away, Phil, according to this text? When he was obedient and was baptized, correct? That's exactly right. That's it. So this idea that you're saved by faith alone or that you're saved at the point of faith in becoming a Christian, that's not true. Paul's conversion that's not in the is doctrine. in the New Testament. Huh? Right. I said what you said, what you just said, I said that's not in the doctrine. Just that's believing right. is, makes you saved. That's not true. Yeah, Paul's conversion must be pretty important. It's related to us three times in the book of Acts, Acts 9, 22, and 26. And we see here that he's not saved at the point of faith, but his sins are washed away when he was baptized. Now, we're not saying that, quote, baptism washes away his sins. No, we're all agreed. The blood of Christ is what washes it away, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. The question is when. When he believed, when we, or three days later when he was baptized? It's pretty clear, isn't it? When he's baptized, yeah, it's his words. Yeah. Now, can I just make one comment real quick? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Phil. Oh, that's okay. I listen to you all the time, and I know that there's controversy, but it's real simple. God isn't asking us to do much. He's asking us to believe and do what Christ did and be a, live a life that's Christ-like. It ain't hard to do that. He don't ask us to do much, and it's free. So a lot of times when I hear people call and and there's that crossfire, that's what you're about, it just tickles me to, to, to the point that common sense tells me it's so simple, it's so easy. He doesn't ask much. He loves us enough to send Christ, and all we got to do is a few little things. I mean, we ain't got nothing to do on this earth anyway, but please God. But nobody <laughs> seems to be focused on that, and you help bring some points out that people, I think, sometimes miss. You just got to do a couple of little things and try to, you know, the Bible, all it does is tell us to be fair to people. I mean, it's, and and you help bring that out. So I just wanted to give you that compliment. You really are. I kind of like your point. Okay. What else do we have to do? You remember in Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen, he says, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. There's nothing more important to do in this life than to fear God and keep his commandments. And what else would you want to do? Why do you want to? And I think... I'm saying the same thing you are, Phil. Why do people want to try to get out of trying to do what God says? Why not just go ahead and do it? Just go ahead and obey Him. That would be pretty simple, wouldn't it, Phil? Phil, appreciate your good call. You are simple. I appreciate you. You keep it up. God's will, please. Thank you, Phil. Dan from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, I'm a first-time listener to your program, and uh, thank you for uh, allowing people to come on and comment. The um, the point I wanted to make is Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's not that we're keeping the commandments to be saved. It's we are keeping the commandments because we have a loving relationship with our creator and we appreciate what he has done. And because we love him, we want to do what will please him. It's not that we're doing stuff because we have to. It's doing things because we love him, because he has shown his love. You know, God is the one who showed his love first. In, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And when we realize that, it's, it's just incredible. 
Dan, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, a lot of people, of course, were saved by grace. The first passage we started with told us that. People want to take you're saved by grace and use that as a license to sin. Like, like well, everybody sins, so it doesn't really matter for sin. Instead, and I'm, I'm just piling on to what you said, Dan. Instead, why don't we understand that since we're saved by grace, we ought to appreciate that so much that we want to, out of love and respect for God, we want to obey Him in every particular. And that's what, that's going to be our number one goal in life is to try to please God because we're saved by grace and we appreciate that fact. Right, Dan? You know, the, um, that's, um, yeah, I agree. The, uh, the point is Enoch was, was said that he walked with God and he was not. And the reason why God took him to be with him was because that relationship was developed so close that God just, you know, took him as as a first fruits of, of of the saves because that relationship it was a love relationship between Enoch and God and that's what He wants for each one of us is that personal, intimate, loving relationship between ourselves and our Creator. Dan, appreciate that good call. Okay. Thank you. Have a keep great listen, night. Keep listening to the program. We're on at the same time every Sunday night. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. So what we've been talking about with the walls of Jericho, and by the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755 is the number to call. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. What we've been talking about with the walls of Jericho is that God knocked the walls down. The Israelites walking around those walls, they didn't stomp on the on the dirt so much that the uh, it was like an earthquake and it knocked the walls down. No, God knocked them down. Walking around the walls is just a condition they had to make. It's the same way with our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is saying Jesus is the one that provides our salvation with his death. James 2, 24, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. It's just saying we have to walk in order to be saved by the death of Christ. We have to trust and obey Christ in order to be saved by the death of Christ. That's all that's saying. Other texts... Besides James 2.24 and Hebrews 5.9 that teach obedience as necessary to salvation, well, there are dozens and dozens of them. Let's talk about a few of them. How about Matthew 7.21? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Well, who's going to go to heaven according to that verse? Those that do the will of the Father in heaven. You know, there are a couple more illustrations that we could bring up besides the walls of Jericho. What about Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14? We don't have time to read that text, but basically Naaman wanted to be cleansed of his leprosy. The prophet of God, Elisha, said, dip in the Jordan River seven times and God will cleanse you of the leprosy. After some consternation, Naaman did what God told him to do and he was cleansed of his leprosy. Well, did he heal himself by dipping in the Jordan River seven times? No. God cleansed him of his leprosy. When? When he did what God said, when he dipped in the Jordan River seven times, you see? So God cleansed him, but Naaman still had to do something. Same way with our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is saying, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. We don't save ourselves. Even our works, even our faith, don't, they don't save us. But we do have to have faith, and we do have to have obedience in order to be saved by the death of Christ, just like Naaman had to dip seven times in order to be cleansed by God. Same thing with Numbers 21, 4 through 9. The Israelites murmur. God sends down poisonous snakes. Many of them are bitten. 
They plead with Moses for help. Moses asks God, help us. God says, put up a bronze serpent upon a pole. And whoever looks upon that serpent will be healed of their snake bite. By the way, Jesus draws from this story in his famous discourse about salvation in John chapter 3. Well, did they heal themselves of the snake bite by looking on that bronze serpent? No, God healed them. Did they have to look at the bronze serpent to be healed? Yes. So as it relates to our salvation, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is saying God is the one that heals us of our snake bite, heals us from sin. James 2, 24 is saying we have to look at that bronze serpent. We have to do what God says in order to be saved by the death of Christ. We appreciate you listening so much tonight. Be sure and listen next week at this same time. If you want that free one-hour phone Bible study, I'm willing to do it at your convenience, free one-hour phone Bible study, call or text me on my cell phone number, 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study, 256-682-9753.